Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we have yet another opportunity to continue to study these principles. We ask for the guidance of your Holy Spirit. Give us teachable hearts that we may learn from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, something better. In the book of education, page 296, it says, something better is the watchword of education, the law of all true living. Whatever Christ asks us to renounce, he offers in instead something better. Right? And so like we talked about in the last session, how the enemy is trying to, to um, convince us that God is keeping something from us. And uh, we, we can uh, refer to this quote and know, yes, when God asks us to follow his way, there's some things we need to give up. But what he's giving us is something better. Right? And we need to um, ask God to help us to have his mind so that we can understand things as he sees them. Okay, so we're going to look at the curriculum and who would you think follow the right curriculum but Jesus. In education, page 77, it says, His, Jesus' education, was gained directly from the heaven-appointed sources, from useful work, from the study of scriptures and of nature, and from the experiences of life, God's lesson books full of instruction to all who bring to them the willing hand, the seeing eye, and the understanding heart. So here we have God's lesson books. These are the textbooks that every true education school or home should have. Useful work, study of scriptures, study of nature, and the experiences of life. These are the textbooks right here. Now, you'll have many resources that you will use as you're teaching, whether at home or at school, but these textbooks are for every class, math, science, social studies, reading, language, whatever it is, these textbooks can be used for all of them. Um, and I'm going to be sharing not just the principles, but some examples of what I have done. Um, but I've spent the time in the, in the previous, and by the way, those of you who were not in the previous one, I encourage you to go to Audioverse and listen to it, because if you know the principles and the foundation of true education, you can teach anywhere. Um, I don't want what I share today to be like the method, right? I'm gonna share some experiences of how I apply the principles, but what you need to know is the principles. The Pharisees like to make all these rules and you can't carry this burden but 10 miles, but God gives us principles and these principles are true every age, every country, every language. And so if you have those principles, then you can um, well, um, go forward with true education. Always look at what you're doing and does this go with the principles of God? Many things we do, they look good, they even have good uh, results as we can see them, but if they don't go with those principles, it's not of God, we can dismiss it. And that's what you need to know. Now we're gonna look at the textbook of experiences of life. This is one that we can learn from all the time because we are always experiencing life, if we're alive, right? And uh, in Education, page 103, it says, as they learned us to study the lesson in all created things and in all life's experiences, show that the same laws which govern the things of nature and the events of life are to control us, that they are given for our good, and that only in obedience to them can we find true happiness and success. So we need to teach our children 
to learn from their daily experiences, especially the difficulties. And we don't like that, but that's one of God's um, most used lessons is the difficulties. That's where we learn best. Now, this is the children and uh, recess. And many people think that recess is just a time to play. And it is. The children play during that time. But that's a class in our school as well. And this is where most of the time we are really emphasizing on those experiences of life because they are having different difficulties between them. And we as teachers need to be involved, right? And parents involved, right? The children shouldn't be over there where you don't know what they're doing and saying um, because you can't guide them if you're not there. That's why God gave children their parents and their teachers. So the children come with all kinds of difficulties. And as parents and teachers, we want to rescue them. We don't want them to have to struggle. And so we want to rescue them. But if we rescue them, they don't learn from their experiences. This is why God doesn't rescue us from our difficulties, right? He lets us go through them. Now, he is with us in them. And that's what we as teachers and parents need to do for our children. So one time I had this little boy. He had just the talent of annoying all the other little uh, children. For some reason, he just liked to bother and he had not learned that that was not appropriate. So one day he comes and he is so upset because no one wants to play with him. And as a parent, as a teacher, we want to say to the other children, you have to play with them. And now in my school, I always told the children, no one is left out. You have to include everyone. But at the same time, this person needs to be responsible for their actions. So I didn't rescue him. I asked him, so what happened? And he did what we all do. They were doing this and this and this and this. We always blame it on somebody else. And then I said, okay, now tell me, what were you doing? Right? And this is what we need to uh, essentially be looking at because in the end, we cannot learn from the book of experiences of life if we're not looking at our actions and our doings and our, our um our responsibility in the situation. We cannot change other people. We can't even change ourselves. But with the grace of God, we can change. Um, but we can't change others. So I, I asked this little boy, so what were you doing? And he started telling me what he was doing. And then I said, okay, now, just think about this. If one of them was doing that, would you want to play with them? And he was like, no. And he looked at me like he never heard something like that. And he probably never, because his mother probably rescued him every time. So I said, well, if you wouldn't do it, why are you blaming them for not playing with you? Now, do you think if you go back and stop doing that, that they will play with you? And he looked at me like he didn't know. I said, well, why don't you try it and come back to me if, if it doesn't work, and then I'll go talk to them. He went. He never came back. Right? And so we need to teach them. Uh, the book of experiences of life is such a good book to learn from and we need to learn right if we're going to teach them that we need to learn it ourselves and many of us were not trained in true education I mean I myself was not and even when we've gone through Adventist school system many times we didn't get that you know I grew up in a non-Adventist home so I went to public schools and I learned to be a teacher in public university um, and it wasn't until later that I heard about true education so I started studying about it and the Lord has been my teacher because I didn't have that education. And I had to be a student again. Because if you don't learn this yourself, you can't teach them. So we need to learn to, uh, um, to learn from the book of experiences of life, from the difficulties that we encounter. Don't cry out to God to always rescue them from them, but ask God, what is it that I'm supposed to learn here? And lead the children in these experiences. 
This day I had um, jacks out for the kids to play. Um, it was a childhood game of mine, and the children nowadays don't play with it. And so I was trying to teach them how to play this, and they were like, this is too difficult, and they wanted to put it away and do something else. And I said, well, well if you don't try it, you're not going to learn it. Let's set, because they were trying to, you know, you have to grab one, throw the ball, grab one, and grab the ball, and then do two, do three, until you get all of them. And so they, it was, you know, they're doing it for the first time. They don't have the coordination of the ball, and it was not working. So I told them, okay, how about you set yourself a goal of getting up to three? Just that, up to three, and just work at that until you get to three. And so that was a goal that was more, more attainable, so they work on that, and they work and work until they were able to get three, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I can do this, and they kept working at it and learned how to play the game. Now, of course, it's not essential for them to learn to play this game, but in life there's many experiences that we miss out growing and learning because it's difficult and we give up on it. And so it's important for us not to look all the way to the end of the road because we're going to get discouraged. That's why God sometimes doesn't reveal everything to us. And so just look a little uh, closer, try to reach that goal, and as you reach that one, look further and keep going, right? And so these are ex experiences that we get. Uh, we had this little boy who uh, came to our school, and all the children loved jumping rope. And he was like, oh, I'm going to go jump rope, but he's never done it. So he thought he was going to be happy. He saw the kids doing it so easy, so he thought it was going to be easy, and then he wasn't. And so he threw his um, rope on the side and said, I'm going to go do something else. And I said, well, what? You didn't like that? No, I can't do it. They can do it, but I can't do it. Well, they couldn't do it at some point either. You have to learn. So one of the boys that you see there, he decided, I'm going to teach you. And so he worked with them. And he was very patient because it took a while. But he finally learned, and then that was one of his favorite games, right? So endurance, it's uh, an important lesson that they, that they can learn in many things. A lot of times we, we try to protect the children from so many things, they never learn to really uh, overcome the difficulties that they have. And then they grow up to be adults, and how many difficulties do you have when you've grown up? A whole lot bigger than mastering how to jump a rope, right? And so if they don't learn these little things, uh, they, they will not be able to, to, um, to be successful in life. Now the playroom was one place where we had more opportunity to deal with these things, but of course in the classroom, in the workplace, as you will see later, there were many opportunities to learn from the book of experiences of life. Now the other three books are not only the textbooks for God's, um, for God's plan of education, but they're also subjects to be part of our, of our education, so I'm going to present them in this section for subjects of study. So the Bible is not only a textbook, but it should be a class taught in our schools. There's a period of time that should be um, dedicated for the study of the Word of God. In Psalms 119, verse 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. And Councils for the Church, page 202 says, The students are to be educated in practical Christianity, and the Bible must be regarded as the highest, the most important textbook. 
Christian Education, page 118, the Bible is the only rule of faith and doctrine, and there's nothing more calculated to energize the mind and strengthen the intellect than the study of the Word of God. No other book is so potent so to elevate the thoughts, to give vigor to the faculties as the broad and noble truth of the Bible. If God's Word were studied as it should be, men would have a breadth of mind, a nobility of character, and a stability of purpose that is rarely seen in these times. And coming from public schools into uh, a true education school, this was a struggle for me because when I was in public school, we didn't have the practicals classes and we didn't have Bible class. And we had the same time that I have now and now I have to figure out how to fit these things. So of course that meant I had to cut down in the, um, in the other classes. Now in public schools, reading language portion was an hour and a half. And for me to be, make time for Bible and for the other things, I had to cut reading time to 45 minutes. Now I'm teaching the younger ones who are learning how to read and need more time according to the world in that part. But I decided I'm gonna trust the Lord and I'm going to do this. So I began um, Bible class and I'm teaching first through fourth grade. And the first graders don't know how to read yet, but I got Bibles for everybody. And uh, we're doing Bible class from the Bible. And the children, uh, I, I didn't want the, the non-readers to feel left out, so they had their Bible, and I had them sitting with someone who was a reader to help them find, but I didn't expect them to read. But as we were studying different stories from the Bible, I wanted them to see the stories that they learned in Sabbath school, they're in this book, and you can read it too. And so we were reading these stories straight from the Bible, learning from them, expanding their vocabulary. Yes, we had to stop and explain what this word means, what that word means, but they were learning vocabulary. And uh, as we were doing that, from time to time, I asked them to read the text. And I asked who would like to read this text. And one day, I'm giving class, and one of my first graders raises her hand. And she's not learned how to read. So I, at the moment, I must admit, I had no faith. And I was like, I should probably tell her no, she can't do it. But then I decided, she looks so eager, I'm just going to let her do it, and I'll read for her. So she was, she read the words she knew, and the rest I had to pick up. But that really encouraged her, and she wanted so much to be able to read for herself that she put a lot more effort in reading class. And that girl was with my class, first grade and part of second grade, and his parents moved to California. When they went to California, they did a test uh, for her before entering school to see where she was in all the levels of school. And her, she tested at a level sixth grade in reading a second grader. And the, the person who tested her asked her mom, tell her mom, I was shocked because I asked her all these questions about fairy tales and she didn't know. She didn't know who Pinocchio was. She didn't know who this person. How did she learn how to read? And the mom was like, well, she learned. Her, her teacher taught her to read from the Bible. And so this is why she had such higher, because these, these fairy tales don't have the vocabulary that the Bible has. Right, and so yes, this, this girl, and she was very, I mean, she was this, we thought at the beginning school may have not been for her because she was very bright. And uh, it was so hard for her to, to just sit and do something, but because everything that we gave them, gave them challenge, challenge, she was happy. And she did very well in our school in all the subjects um, because we were challenging her 
her mind all the time in different abilities. And so we have made Bible class a very important time. Uh, some of our pastors come. This is Pastor Cook, uh, who was the pastor of one of the churches that our ministry has started in the community, and he loves nature. So whenever he taught Bible class, always brought a nature um, aspect of it. So he, you see him there with a black walnut in his shell, and, uh, and he gave a lesson to the students about that. And this little boy right here, it was so hard to get his attention ever. But Bible class, he was like this all the time, like you see him there. That was not a post picture, right? They loved it. Uh, this is the chaplain of our Lifestyle Center, and he uh, was coming to our school every Friday to teach Bible class. And he came to me and told me he decided to teach the children about Revelation, the book of Revelation. And I thought, wow, Revelation, that's a bit over their heads. But I didn't say anything. I figured he's, he's a very consecrated man, so I figured if the Lord impressed him to do that, I'm just going to let him do it. He'll figure it out. But he started t t uh, working with them verse by verse, the book of Revelation. And these children loved it. Now, he made it very practical for them, but they read straight from the Bible, and they looked forward to his class every Friday. And this little girl right here, she was so excited. She went home and said to her mom, I have to read the book of Revelation. And, she said, and her mom says all the time, she's reading, and she's reading because she's so excited what she's learning in school about the book of Revelation. So we think the children cannot understand the Bible, but the Bible was made for the simplest mind if we are willing. And children tend to have more teachable spirit than we do because they, they know that they don't know anything and they need to be taught. We think we know. And so when we approach the Bible, we approach it with our knowledge. They don't have very much yet that has uh, tainted their minds. So they, they grasp the truth much more readily. This was Pastor uh, Atwood, who was uh, our campus chaplain and the pastor of our main church. And he would come and do a week of prayer every year. And uh, this time he was teaching about the sanctuary. And of course, since the word of God is the way that God communicates with, uh, with us, and communication cannot just be one way, we also in Bible class teach them how to pray because they need to be communicating back to God. Mm -hmm. And for children, this is very difficult because children don't understand abstract things. And God is very abstract to them. They have to see and touch and, man and handle things. So you have to make Christianity and the principles of the Bible very practical for them to understand. And so I had to really help them understand that Prayer is not something you memorize and say, and it's these pretty big words. It's you talking to God. Don't you talk to your friends all the time? Talk with God. So at first, uh, what I started doing with them, um, I, we had special days of prayer, and I would put the timer for five minutes, and that's a huge, long time for a child. And I put them in partners, and I told them, you pray, and when you're done praying, the other one prays, and until the timer goes off, you just keep switching prayer. And very, very short, simple prayers, but as they started doing this, they got used to doing it, and, it, and they were more comfortable with it, and some of them were volunteering to pray for worship time. And so I really encourage them um, that you don't have to you know, make a formal thing, but talk to God all the time because he wants to be your friend. And when you're with your friends, you're not sitting there quiet. You're talking to them, and they talk a lot. So uh, we do teach them prayer also in Bible class. Now the next um, course of study that our school should have is nature. We saw also that nature is one of the textbooks. Um, 
especially in the younger grades. In the younger grades, we're told that they, the younger children should be learning from nature and not from books in the early years. So in the younger grades, we spend more time outside in nature. And um, this quote is in uh, Great Controversy 48, and it says, next to the Bible, nature is to be our great lesson book. The little children should come especially close to nature. Um, sorry, the first one was Child Guidance 45, and the second one, the little children should come especially close to, to nature is Great Controversy 48. And so I would take my students outside. We did a lot of things in nature, but this activity that you see right here is one where I give them a piece of cardboard and set them in a place, and I told them, this is your space. You can't leave that space. And what I want you to do is I want you to observe in nature and see what God is, is revealing of himself in nature. And when we come back together, you have to share. Now, I will tell you, the first time this happened, uh, there was a lot of silence when we came back. And, but I had that time too. We set it out for 10 minutes. I increased the time until it got to 20 minutes later, but at the beginning I started with smaller amounts, and I was set too, and then I would start sharing myself first. And some of them were like, oh, yeah, and they shared something, and then there were the others that were like, mm, okay, you don't have to share. It was not a force that everybody had to. But as we kept doing that, more and more they were sharing what they were learning. And so we were teaching them to hear the, the voice of God. And God is always uh, speaking to us, especially through his created uh, works. We have the privilege to be set in a very beautiful campus. And so this is a, um, a um, mountain that's behind our school, and there's a trail that goes up there, pretty uphill uh, thing. I have to tell the students constantly, you need to wait for me, because <laughs> I lose my breath going up there. They love going here. This is what we have called our, cl our outside classroom because up on there, you see, they have two benches and many times we went there to have outdoor school. Um, and sometimes when I would forget, they would be like, oh, we haven't been in an outdoor classroom for a while. We went to different places, but every time I, I encouraged them to learn lessons, sometimes I gave them something to look for. Like one time I told them, I want you to look for expressions of the love of God. And so it's amazing the kinds of things they found. And sometimes I ask them, I want you to look for the power of God. You know, so because God is revealing himself, we need to teach them to see that. And it's all around in nature. Another subject of study that must be part of true education is practical duties. Many times we think this is just for home, and some of the parents want question why they have to learn this at the school. But we are told that parents and teachers should be teaching this. In Child Guidance 350, it says, God desires both parents and teachers to train children in the practical duties of everyday life. Encourage industry. From childhood, boys and girls should be taught to bear heavier and still heavier burdens, intelligently helping in the work of the family firm. Mothers, patiently show your children how to use their hands. Let them understand that their hands are to be used as skillfully as yours in the household work, right? Now, in the world today, we're doing backwards. The belief now is if you're a good parent, you do everything for your children. And many times, whether we believe that's best or whether we do it because if we have them helping, it actually creates more work than, than they're helping. Uh, either way, um, we a lot of times go up with what is easier. Uh, and what God asks us to do is usually not what's easier. Um, most of God's 
requirements will require, require sacrifice and self-denial. And this is because of sin. Before sin, Adam and Eve, we're told they worked in the, in the garden and it was enjoyable. But in the Bible, it tells us after sin, it was with the sweat of his brow that he had to work. And then there was thorns. So it doesn't mean it's not enjoyable anymore. But now because of sin, things have to be hard. And everything that's good, everything that's, that is worth attaining will require work. And it will require effort. will require self-sacrifice. Um, until we get to heaven, that's the way it's going to be. So we need to be ready to sacrifice. Um, and so uh, we need to do this. And when we, I started doing this in the school, at first it was quite challenging because I had a group of kids and I had to teach them how to clean a toilet, how, how to wash dishes, how to vacuum. Some of them had never done that. Um, and so when you have many children trying to do, and this one is asking you this way and that one, it was challenging. And there were times when I was like, do we need to be doing this? <laughs> this is the parents' job. But then you remember what God says, parents and teachers. And the school is an institution that has been established to help the parents in the raising of the children. So, um, you know, we kept at it, and it, sometimes it was better than others, but it was always a blessing. And the children enjoy doing it, especially because they're with other children doing it. So they had their chores uh, that they did, and they knew at this time is chores time and everyone goes to do their things. And there were other special projects that we did as we needed. Uh, like in this picture, you see that they are cleaning the mini blinds of our windows. So they do get dusty because we do open our windows to get fresh air. And uh, so fresh air comes with some dust as well. And we take them out and we clean them. And, and you do have to be around every now and then, see what they're doing and guide them. Sometimes they break things. Uh, they don't always clean everything wonderfully. And I had to really evaluate when they have done their best and accept that. And when they had not done their best and encourage them to fix it, right? Um, and uh, many times they got to the point where they were like, don't, uh, so one of the kids would be like, oh, we're done. No, no, don't go to the teacher yet. Let's see, because they would know I would come and I'm like, you're done, but what about this? <laughs> and so they got to inspect their own work before they said that they were done. And so they learned what good work is. Um, but if we just let them do a poor job, they never will learn what a good job is. Now, they are children that really you have to realize they're giving you your very best and there's no more they can do and I don't want to discourage them. So you have to really be prayerful about everything that you do because we don't know uh, the hearts and minds of these children, their experiences when they go through, but God does and he's put them in our care. And if we seek him as our teacher and our guide, he will teach us and guide us because he loves his children uh, with an everlasting love. Manual training is a very important part of um, true education. We are told in Ministry of Healing, page 194, manual training is deserving of far more attention than it has received. Schools should be established that in addition to the, the highest mental and moral culture shall provide the best possible facilities for physical development and industrial training. Ex instruction should be given in agriculture, manufacturers, covering as many as possible of the most useful trades, also in household economy, healthful cookery, sewing, hygiene, hygienic dressmaking, the treatment of the sick, and kindred lines. 
Gardens, workshops, and treatment rooms should be provided, and the work in every line should be under the, the direction of skill instructions. And this, oh, I said Ministry of Healing, but it's Education, page 218. Sorry about that. Now, in manual training, we're going to see uh, some of the most um, popular ones. And agriculture, uh, not because we are an agricultural conference, but it's the uh, highest of the, um, the um, manual trainings. No line of manual training, this is child guidance, page 356. No line of manual training is more of more value than agriculture. A greater effort should be made to create and to encourage an interest in agricultural pursuits. Let the teacher call attention to what the Bible says about agriculture, that it was God's plan for man to till the earth, that the first man, the ruler of the whole world, was given a garden to cultivate, and that many of the world's greatest men, its real nobility, have been tillers of the soil. Show the opportunities in such a life. You know, usually in the world, the farmers look down on, right? We, we look up at the lawyers and the doctors and the farmer, but in the eyes of heaven, he sees this as a great occupation. And so we really need to understand that God does not see things as we see them. Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 374 says, the natural and the spiritual are to be combined in the studies of our schools. The operations of agriculture illustrate the Bible lessons. The laws obeyed by the, t the earth reveal the fact that it is under the masterly power of an infinite God. The same principles run through the spiritual and the natural world. Right? And so agriculture is, is not just about growing food. Here we can truly learn many, many spiritual lessons. You know, in the time that I have been teaching at the elementary school, we have had three different uh, uh, managers at the, at the farm. And this young man was my favorite because, not because he was the most talented farmer, but because he was such a consecrated man and he always brought spiritual lessons. He always started the, the farm class with a spiritual thought from the Bible. He always prayed and he connected spiritual lessons to everything. And he taught the children to find spiritual lessons in the work they did. And uh, so he really was very instrumental in helping them and even me uh, to see more spiritual lessons in nature and, and especially in the garden. You know, even in the Bible, we're giving the par parable of the sower. Uh, and that's how we start our agricultural class at the beginning of the year so that the children understand when you go in the garden, God wants to teach you lessons of how he's working in your heart. And you need to prepare the soil of your heart because when we're learning about planting, as you know, if the soil is not, doesn't have the nutrients it needs, you can plant that thing there, water all you want and have the sun and it's not gonna produce as much and grow as, as much. So the soil is critical and important and that's their hearts. And so to learn that experience, when we went out to weed, I told them, you know, the weeds are the sins in our lives, right? So every time we were out weeding, I told them, I want you as you're weeding to pray that God will show you what weeds you need to pull out of your heart, right? Because as we're learning and growing, God will show us more. So every time you weed, you have an opportunity to open your heart to God, um, even though that was not the most favorite thing for them to do. 
In uh, Testimonies, Volume 6, page 179, it says, study in agricultural lines should be the A, B, and C of the education given in our schools, right? And so when I came into this school, I would tell you I had no, I had no knowledge of uh, agriculture. Uh, my mom loves flowers, and so I love flowers, and I wanted to plant flowers. But my mom has a green thumb, and mine seems to be black. So every plant that I ever planted died. So at one point, I gave up on the whole idea until I started through education and realized that agriculture should be the A, B, and C. So I was like, well, I can't use an excuse that I don't know how to grow. If God gave it to us, he has to give me the knowledge. So I began and um, I began my own garden in my home because if I was going to teach them at school that I had to start doing that. And I tell you, the first year, I didn't get very much out of my garden. And it was a lot of work. And I felt at the end of the year, you know, I'm not doing this again. Too much work, not much out. And the Lord reminded me again that agriculture is not just about the food that comes out. It's a spiritual experience. And so I continue. And after a few years, I got produce out of my garden. And I'm not an expert by the grace of God. Um, but I have learned a lot. And uh, we have learned together. And I praise the Lord for our farm. And our, we have a garden in our school where we work every day. But once a week, we go to the farm. And the person in the farm uh, leads out that class. And so we learn there and we apply in our school. We learn from our mistakes. When we plant and it doesn't come out, it's, it's a lesson as well, right? Uh, it's not a fun lesson, but it's a lesson. And we learn from these. And the children enjoy um, agriculture, so you can see. Uh, this is a sweet potato and a very funny shape. Um, here we were preparing a lot um, where we we're going to have our school garden away from the school. Our school has a lot of trees around, so we grow there mainly greens. But if you want to grow something that produces the fruit, it needs a lot more sun than it gets there. So we started in this lot, and the farm came and tilled it for us. And so then the children and I, we worked in uh, deciding how to line up the garden. So we used math. We looked at what plants are we going to plant, how much space do they need, so how, how wide will the, uh, the rows need to be. And they need to come up with the solutions. And then they're the ones that went out with the measuring tape and measured how wide it was going to be. And then they had to measure uh, a space for a path and another row. And so we did on this garden, I think, about five or six rows. And so they marked them first, we put the thread, and then we went with our shovels and started forming it. So from beginning to end, we do all the work. The children learn everything. Here they are harvesting uh, Swiss chard. The farm goes to the farmer's market once a week. And so the children many times help to collect and bundle the things for the market. And sometimes, like in this occasion, they had to bundle it by numbers. So they told them this many numbers of leaves, so they counted. Here's their math. They put them together, they bundled them. Sometimes it was by weight. So they had to bring whatever it was and weigh it and then take out if it was too much or add up. So they got to really do these things on their own and use math in a very practical way. This is our school. Uh, we have three beds like this one that you see here. And so they were picking their lettuce. What we, what we grow at the school, usually they take it home and sometimes we share with people in need. And then at the farm we work there and we leave the produce there. So then learn sometimes you have to work uh, and not receive anything. Sometimes if it was extra they gave us, but um, we, we grew strawberries. 
and uh, I taught them from the beginning, you know, how to cover the, the ground. We made the little holes and planted them. And then the strawberries, they, they keep multiplying the strawberry plants. So we put little pots around and, and we put the baby plants in there. When they were big enough, we cut them out. And we took those, uh, this is still started planting, to sell them. So we have a health food store on our campus, and this picnic table is right in front of the health food store. So we stood out there with our little strawberry plants and a sign that they were $2 a piece. But the children um, were seeing people pass by and not stop, and they were like, can we just go out to the road? And so I told them yes, and they took the sign, as you can see, and started walking to the road and getting the people that were driving and telling them they're selling. And uh, when the people paid, if they didn't give the exact $2, they had to give them the change back. They had to calculate the change and give them the change. And so they all took turns, turns in being the ones that were selling. And uh, at the end of the, of the thing, I never even mentioned math. And at the end of this activity, this girl, she was like, this was the best math lesson we've ever had. Right? And so um, it's all, and this is the thing about true education. Everything is really integrated together. Uh, we have this idea that this is math class and this is science class, and, but in reality, all works together. And the more we really integrate it, the more it makes sense, the more practical it is, the more valuable, and the more it sticks because they have a use for it. If it's just knowledge, it doesn't work. And unfortunately, we, what we learned in the school systems, we apply it to our lives. We just fill our heads with knowledge, and then it's not useful. And so as Adventists, we have filled our heads with knowledge, and, but we don't uh, apply it to our lives, and it doesn't do us any good. We're, we're really not going to benefit from this knowledge if we're not applying it. And that's why in our school, when we have the children uh, do a memory verse, when we introduce, at, on Monday we introduce the verse, I uh, ask them to think practically what does it mean in your life, and we discuss the verse, how to apply it, and then during the week, they're supposed to be sharing how they applied it at home. Because their mission field right now is home. And they have to talk about it and share. And they have a little journal where they write how they, they practically apply that verse. Because putting it here and not here does no good. And the same thing with math skills or anything else. We need to learn and use it. And that way it's really truly learned. Here we are uh, getting a flower garden uh, ready in our school. We're told that our premises should be beautified with flowers and that flowers are a reminder of God's love for us. So uh, we went to a nearby place where there's a lot of rocks and the children picked the rocks, we hold it to the school. And uh, we didn't have at the moment a hose that was uh, long enough to go to the end, so they had to go with little buckets. We got one, so we have it now, but at that time they were working bringing the little buckets to water the, the, the plants. Um, we built this uh, compost bin uh, out of pallets and when I say we, I'm talking about we, the children with their, the hammer, and, and I'm there kind of guiding, right? So they, they love to be able to do things with their hands. And see, like I mentioned before, our farmer at that time, he unfortunately has left Wildwood. Uh, he, started, he has his Bible in his hand, and he always started with a thought from the Word of God. And they, they learned different things. They love going to the farm. Uh, whether they were planting or harvesting, 
learning to use different tools. These days, the boys got, they were putting compost and preparing, you know, carrying the buckets and uh, filling the buckets, carrying the buckets, throwing them there. They came back to school so dirty and they thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Um, they were, you know, of course we didn't fill the buckets all the way to the top because it would be too heavy for them, but they, we fill it so it was a burden they can carry. But they need to learn to build their muscles um, and do things. And they were so excited, they were able to learn how a backhoe uh, works. They did not drive themselves, but uh, the farmer did teach them how it works and machines are like an awesome thing for little boys. They just love machines. And uh, here we're also working with compost blueberries, they were picking the, the weeds out, uh, we were harvesting again, and this day, I don't know what you call this thing, but the children were just like expecting eagerly for their turn to use it, and basically they roll this thing and these little sticks will go in the ground and create the little holes, and then of course you can transplant right there, um, and they were just so excited, so they learned to use all kinds of things at the farm, here again with sweet potatoes, uh, just preparing the soil, any part of farming uh, we did. And it was always something different, so it always kept their interest. Um, these are strawberry plants, those are kale. Um, we're harvesting again for farmer's market. And we also worked on planting flowers around the Lifestyle Center. So all these flower beds, they work with them. And this day, these children, you know, we taught them to enjoy agriculture, but we also told them when you're working, it's not fooling around time. And so they, they learned to work and they really, and they enjoyed it and they took it seriously. And so they were there and they were like, oh, pass me this, take this, take that. And the people that were in the lifestyle, they started coming out and they were like, wow, we've never seen children work so responsibly. And so our children, when they follow true education, will be a witness to the world, right? We didn't go in there knocking their doors, but they saw it and they came out um, and they were very amazed. Now the farmer uh, at that time, which is that gentleman that's over there, he thought the children are gonna get tired of it, of agriculture, so we're going to take a break. And he decided to give them a break about a month and so I said, okay, well, we're gonna keep agricultural class in this school. So I told the kids, uh, the farmer said, we're gonna take a break so we can relax for a little bit and then we'll go back to agricultural class, I mean, farm class later. And they were, no, we can't do that. We have to have farm class. And uh, so they said, can we make a strike? <laughs> so they asked me for a poster and they made a, a poster. We want to go to the farm, help plants and they wanted to go to the farm and make a strike that uh, we would not leave until farm started again. So we marched to the farm and they started shouting, we won the farm, we won the farm. And so the farm manager decided, okay, we'll continue farm class. So this is how much they love it. We, we really uh, think that uh, children are going, not gonna enjoy work, but the reality is when they're young, they want to learn and do things. Now, if you don't teach it then, when they grow older, it's too late because they learn to be used, to, to be um, idle, and then work is not an enjoyable thing. And that's one thing that I noticed when I was working in an academy, I realized we're waiting too late to start this. Why are elementary school not doing this? These, these young people already learn not to do anything and they don't want to. And when I talked to elementary schools, they told me, well, it's too difficult this time, they really, it's too dangerous for them. 
But I decided I'm not making excuses for what God says. And yes, you have to accommodate a little bit, but it can be done and this is the time to do it because this is when they want to learn to do things and they want to help and they feel useful and then they, they, this love is in them and it will grow. But if you don't plant it in the right time, it'll be too late. Another class that needs to be part of our curriculum is cooking. And not just cooking, but healthful cooking, right? We need to teach our children to, te to cook healthy things. And um, Council to um, Parents, Teachers, and Students, page 127, it says, do not neglect to teach your children how to prepare wholesome food. In giving them these lessons in physiology and in good cooking, you're teaching them the first steps in some of the most useful branches of education and inculcating principles which are needful elements in their religious life. Now we don't usually think of cooking as an important useful branch of education or important for religious life, but yet this is how God views it. This is why we have to understand when we're dealing with education or agriculture or health, we need to understand God's ways are not our ways and it's gonna be opposite to what we see. Um, and what we're used to. And so if it's opposite, we should find assurance in that. That means it's the correct way, right? If it's the same that we're assuming, usually not. And so this is a cooking class. Now when we do cooking class in our school, the children are part of the whole thing. I don't have all the, the, the ingredients there ready so that they can put it. No, we do from beginning to end everything together. And we do the grocery list. Sometimes I don't always do that, but sometimes I did take them to the store right on the campus to buy the ingredients. But many times we have ingredients in the school already. And so we just had to look at what we have. Do we have everything we need? And we did that together. Um, and then we, they measure everything. They all depends if we are um, baking. Um, they measure it, they mix it, they, they do all the parts of it. And guess what happens when you cook? You dirty dishes. And no, somebody else is not doing your dishes for you. You gotta wash them. So they learned how to wash the dishes, swept the floor, because food always ended up in the floor. And who says that you can't have fun in cleaning? And so yes, they, they had to be part of everything. Otherwise, they don't get the real experience. Here, um, we were making, I think, granola. Uh, and here, we were making granola bars. Right, and now with every cooking class, there is a mini health lesson because the, uh, the reason why we want them to learn how to cook is so that they could cook healthfully. And so uh, in these classes, I usually talk to them about the, the, the harmful effects of sugar and we make things, sweeten it with, other, uh, with different things, not refined sugars. And so these granola bars, we actually sweeten them with bananas the granola we sweetened with applesauce uh, and applesauce and we did use um, molasses. And then here on the bottom they're making burger patties out of uh, oats. Baking bread uh, and we, I taught them how to make whole, f uh, whole um, wheat bread as well as millet bread because we do have a few people that are wheat intolerant. Um, and they really loved this. And what we did one year, we had a picnic at the end of the year, and we had all our cooking classes we were preparing for the, 
picnic, um, the cooking classes before the picnic. And so we make, break the bread, make the oat burgers, we made pickles with uh, lemon juice, uh, we made the mayonnaise, um, we made some cookies. I mean, the whole meal was made and the lettuce was from our garden. Uh, we didn't have the tomatoes from our garden. We did have to get those from the farm. Um, and they, we cooked all the food, they prepared, and then on that day, we invited the, the parents and the people who had, because different people, uh, and you will see in the other slides that different people from the, from the campus have come to teach different classes. And so they volunteer their time to do. And so we invited them because they had been investing in their children. And so it was a way kind of to say thank you. And so the children were in the serving line, serving their parents and their teachers. And there they are standing knowing we prepared all this food. They serve it to their parents and then we all sat and ate. And it was really special occasion. And I don't know what happened to the pictures. We take, took pictures of them, but I've lost those pictures. Here we're making cookies and I always did give them some instruction of um, health and why we use the ingredients we use versus other ingredients that would be in other things. And then they uh, do all of it, measuring putting it in the food processor or the blender or whatever. The only thing I don't always let them do is put it in the oven. Um, if I don't have older children, then I usually do that part myself. Uh, and this was actually in my house. We had that day, the boys were doing something in the farm and I only had two girls, so I took them to my house and they were so excited with my oven mittens, I don't know why. But uh, we did some, uh, I think it was granola bars also that day. And we made granola bars and actually sold them as well. And people love our granola bars. They're very simple and very nutritious. Uh, as part of cooking, we teach food preservation as well. And so the children uh, learned how to can applesauce. We also canned beans and I can't remember what other thing was. And um, this is in the house of the president. His wife has a cannery in her basement and she was gracious enough and courageous enough to let all these children go in her house. And she taught us, she's right there. And so they had to wash the apples, peel the apples, they put them through, they, they uh, square them uh, in there in that machine, and then they put them through the thing that makes the sauce, and then they had to put them in the can, and we had to uh, seal. She did put them in the canner because the canner is super boiling and it's very tall. Um, but then when it came out, they were the ones labeling them as well. So the whole part of the process they did. Sewing is another uh, important class to have in our schools. It's a practical skill that uh, even today could still be useful. Um, in Child Guidance, page 351, it says they, that's referring to the mothers, should also instruct them in the art of substantial sewing. They should teach them how to cut garments economically and put them together neatly. Right? And nowadays, clothes are cheap enough that it's actually expensive to make clothes. But when you are trying to find clothes that are modest, it's, it's a challenge. And so I, I have found very, very, uh, a lot of blessings in, in the fact that my mother, she's not an Adventist, I didn't grow up in an Adventist home, but my mother taught me how to sew when I was growing up. And so I don't, I rarely make whole garments, but I do alter a lot of things. So sometimes I buy things that are a little bigger just because it will cover more, and then I, I alter it so it fits me, right? Because the things that are my size, anyways, <laughs> show more than I want to show, right? And, you know, uh, 
to, to repair closings and things like that. It's good. Now this year, the upper grade classroom, uh, that's, we have two classrooms, first through third grade, which is usually what I was teaching, and the other teacher would teach fourth through eighth grade. They do sewing class with sewing machine. In the lower grades, we, we do hand sewing only. Um, and that, th that year, she only had boys in her class, and she decided to do the sewing class nonetheless. And I thought, well, I don't know how that's going to go. But the boys were excited because they're using a machine. <laughs> they love the machines, and they actually were excited that they were using the machines. So they kept talking about it, and my kids were like, why can't we do sewing with a machine? So one day, I did do a, uh, we did um, a pillowcase because it's straight, 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 straight. And I, and I put it in there and I let one, one of the kids do the one side and I was watching and then the other side until we finished the pillowcase. Um, but they did several things. They did little sacks with beans inside and played outside. Our kids in my class did it as well, but they did it by hand. Um, and so if you were, um, yeah. And then they, the other teacher also taught them uh, some, Crocheting, yes. I, I can't teach my kids that because I don't know how to crochet or knit. Another aspect of education that we need to make sure as part of our schools is the use of tools. Uh, in Council to, to Parents, Teachers, and Students, page 122, it says, when children reach a suitable age, they should be provided with tools. They will be found to be apt pupils. If the father is a carpenter, he should give his boys lessons in carpentry. Now, this was a hard thing for me because I came from public schools where safety, safety, safety. So tools are not safe. Of course, they have the kids in sports and they get more damage there, but forget that. Now, in my years in teaching in that school, seven years, the only times that we have had accidents where the students either sprained an ankle, broke an arm, or something got hurt was not in practical uh, training. It was in recess, playing in the monkey bars. <laughs> so uh, prove that you know, if you really take the time to teach them how to use it properly, and of course there are safety guidelines that you, have, you can't be careless about these things. Um, and so it took me a little bit of time to get warmed up into it. The farm manager came to me and said, I want to have a woodworking class for the kids. And I said, really? What are you planning to do? Well, I'm going to teach him how to use all these tools. And he mentioned a drill. And I thought, no, we can't do that. I don't even know how to use a drill. And it's a power machine, and the kids are going to get hurt, I thought. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to trust the Lord. And I told them, if we can have several adults there that can be said, because me and him alone was not going to be able to surround all of them. Make sure we have the safety, do the things, but do it right. Uh, we'll do this. But I was still kind of doubtful. And we did it, and it, it went so well. Now, he really had a talent on how to work with children. Not everybody has that, and we were blessed to have someone who did. And he had every station, things how they can practice using that tool. And he, and he did, made it very safe. And he had an adult in each session. And they went and they practiced how to use this measuring tool so that you can get that straight line in there. They learned how to use a, a saw. Um, they learned how to sand. They, um, the here they were measuring too. And the drill and the hammer. And after this, I was so ashamed because I don't know how to use a drill. So I need to learn how to use a drill. And now I own a drill. Um, and I know how to use it. I mean, I'm not like 
a builder or anything, but I can do little things here and there. And he didn't just teach them how to use the tools, he had a project planned. And so there was a purpose for them to do this. So they learned, a, he gave them the practice, and then their assignment was to build a shed for the farm. And they, from beginning to end, build this shed, of course, with the help of the farm workers. They measured and marked where they were gonna cut. They cut it, so you can see the farm managers helping this young lady. And then they carried the wood to where it was going. The young men are here. Do you see them getting on the ladder? That was uh, a bit uh, nerve-wracking for me. But they used their hammers and the drills, and they put this thing together with a lot of supervision and guidance. And when it was all said and done, we also, oh, sorry, painted it. And as you can see, they had lots of fun doing that. Um, they painted, and now this building, a simple, small building, but stands in our campus, and our children can say, we built that, right? What sense of purpose it gives them. Okay, so that inspired me, and I started looking for building projects. And so one day I was, I needed a step stool because the kids were having a hard time reaching a part of the, uh, the uh, board where they had to put the date every morning. And I was looking for a step stool and realized, man, these things are expensive. Um, and then all of a sudden I was like, why are we going to buy one? Let's make one. So I got a palette. We, uh, I looked at YouTube <laughs> and found a project. And um, we, they, sand, they, cut, they cut this wood. They sanded all that they learned there. They were using it. And this is my drill. This is a drill I now own. It's not the most powerful thing, but I can make small projects. We put it together, and they were so excited when it was done. It's not the most wonderful stool ever, but I was proud of myself because nobody taught me how to do it. We just learned together. And they were so excited. They kept going up and down, up and down, up and down. And they said, can we show it to the other class? So I told them, sure. Let me go ask the teacher. And before I had time to go over there, they were running over there with it. They opened the door and they put it in front of the teacher and they said, you have to get on it. <laughs> and so she got on it and she tried it on. They were so excited with their step stool. Uh, <clears throat> the um, upgrade, um, the, the students in the, in the upper grades uh, had a class in the afternoon with Pastor Atwood. Now, Pastor Atwood is a firm believer in, 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 in true education. But not only does he believe and teach it, he practices it in his life. And I was blessed to have him as a mentor. When I came there, I didn't know much about true education. I was on my knees a lot, reading the councils, but I also went to him for counseling and guidance, and he's tremendous. And so one day I asked him, he's a retired, and you know, he's advanced in age, so um, I wasn't so sure how willing he was gonna be to work with his children, but he was happy. Uh, to do a class for them. So on Mondays and Monday afternoon, the children would go to his house and he would teach them all kinds of practical things because this is what he does. He fixes things, he does things, and he's the pastor. Usually pastors are, you know, they're just good at speaking and that's about as much as, as they would do. So I really um, was happy to have such an example for the children. Uh, this is his wheelbarrow that the wheel had gotten messed up. They put it together. Everything that he had, he said, I don't throw anything away until I can't fix it anymore. And he taught them how to use a two-man saw, as you can see from that picture. Here they're collecting leaves. They went around the campus and collected these leaves. And then they put it through the shredder machine. And they, he uses this to make his compost. So he taught them the whole process. Uh, and they enjoy doing adult work. And this day, they learned how to split wood. 
And those kids, the next day, could talk about nothing else but this, but, oh, that was the greatest, because they did a man's job. And uh, at first I thought, well, that's going to be a bit too much for them. <laughs> but they really enjoyed it, right? So challenge, I mean, you do have to understand how far to take them, but challenge is important for children to grow. Uh, here they're cutting uh, trees that have gone down, Pastor Atwood. Um, it's very practical man and a man that's always ready to serve. So when he sees the trees down, he goes and, and cuts it in pieces and, and then they can haul it out. And so when the kids went to his class, he, he took them with them to do these things. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to do one more and then we're going to stop so that we can give you a break and continue with the rest. Uh, here they're building a raised bed. This was at the farm. The farm also, because they were so excited about building, they kept talking about building class. The farm was like, well, we're going to build some beds. Do you want to have the kids by part of that? And I said, of course, they will love it. And so they went over. Um, this was under a different manager now, and they went over um, how to do it, and we did this. It was a smaller project than the shed, but they still nonetheless enjoyed it. Um, and. Again, it's something that still is being used in our, in our greenhouses, and they um, know now when they go to class there, we had a part in building this, right? So <clears throat> true education truly works, and it does take work. It takes a lot of, um, of thinking ahead, a lot of effort, um, but it is a great blessing for our children, and they truly do enjoy it. But most importantly, it truly prepares them to be the man and woman that God wants them to be, and to be able to serve Him in a, in a very real way. You know, right now in, in, uh, in ministries, it's very difficult. Many of our youth come out of college, and they don't know how to do anything. And they come to work for us, and it's, it takes three of them to be, do one man's job. And it costs the institution a lot. If we had believed our work, a lot more work could be done because one person could do more and serve more and honor God in greater ways. And the people notice and they see it's such a testimony to people when they see these children that they are able to do so much and have, hold so much responsibility in such a mature way. And they are children who play and have fun and do all kinds of things. Uh, and they get their teacher to do crazy things as well um, that I usually would not do, but when they want me to be part of their play, I, I try to enjoy them as much as I can um, because I, I want to be part of everything with them so that they can see I have an interest in them. So we're going to close with prayer uh, briefly and give you a break, and then we'll go back to uh, continue this presentation. Dear Father, we are so thankful that you give us principles that are higher uh, than anything this world has to offer, help us to trust that. Help us to truly believe that what you have is better, much better than anything this world has. And give us the courage to press forward, however difficult, however challenging these things may be, that we may honor thee and that we may bless our children and help us, especially those of us who have not had a true education background, to be good students of these principles ourselves, that we may uh, guide them aright. In Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.